Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. Welcome to Healthy Children. I'm Melanie Cole. If you're a parent, then you know that sometimes when your kids are little, you see them talking to someone. And right away as a parent, when I saw my daughter do this, I was like, I went right to some horror movie, thinking, you know, she was talking to the wall or talking to something. But this is really more common than we realize. And today we're talking about imaginary friends. And joining me is Dr. Data Munchi. She's a community pediatrician with strong interest in pediatric behavioral health. Dr. Munchi, my daughter did this. She had an imaginary friend, went around with her, and at first you know, kind of freaked me out. But then the more that I realized that, you know, this is pretty normal and it went away pretty quick. But I would like you to tell us about invisible friends, imaginary friends, how common this is. Sure. So thank you, first of all, for having me. I remember my daughter, my middle daughter, when she was four, had imaginary friends that she never brought with her to, um, you know, say we were at a restaurant or something. So I was always wondering whether she was going to be an awful, selfish person, wouldn't wouldn't take care of her friends or her children in the future. <laughs> but it, it is honestly that the point being that imaginary friendships and imaginary friends really do link with how the brain develops in, in children. And if we think about it, it's an incredibly safe way to practice a lot of social skills and a lot of kind of communication and behavioral skills that children are learning, especially between, you know, from a very young age to probably around preschool and early elementary school. So much more common when, than we think. I think um, like my daughter who had, had two imaginary friends, some people have a whole classroom, some people have one, some people have magical friends. They're dinosaurs or they're monsters, you know, kind of like when I say monster, I kind of think Elmo. Um, so it can kind of run the gamut and it's extremely common, extremely common. So as we're talking about that, and you made me smile because when you said magical friends, I mean, we watched Bewitched in my house and, and my daughter's magical friend was Samantha. Yeah. And she was able to, to do powers and have, I mean, we all wish to be Samantha Stevens. Let's, let's sure. be right out there with it. But, you know, that was who she, it was Samantha and she went around with her everywhere. Uh-huh. And tell us a little bit about, you mentioned the ages. Yeah. So first of all, the most common ages and when you sort of see this wane off and do the kids see these friends do they do they see the person or is this just somebody that they see in their mind's eye so um so interesting um you know so when you think about social um emotional development in children it actually kind of links to that so when we think about how children interact with their environment when they're infants um it is truly with the who's touching them who's who's with them who can they see who can they feel who can they hear and so it's very concrete they make a lot of lot of eye contact and um they look around and they they try to catch your eye they smile they um throw things at you eventually and and that is truly how the beginning of social uh, emotional development starts 
So around age two is when children are not necessarily playing cooperatively with kids, other kids. They're playing kind of alongside them. And um, that is sometimes where you start seeing around age two, where you start seeing some of that, quote, pretend or imaginary play. So if we think about dress up, you know, we've all seen our kids walking around in their father's shirt or their, you know, brother's shorts or um, making pretend that a, a shirt is a is a princess costume. Um, that's sort of the beginning of that imagination and maybe incorporating some things they see in their environment. So there's a lot of mimicking behavior. So, for example, they may put on uh, a T-shirt like mom puts on an apron and then pretend cooking. So that's sort of the beginning of it. But around age three, children start doing what's called cooperative play, which is they they aren't just sitting next to a child. They're actually playing with the child next to them and interacting. And um, this is where sometimes you really start to see that practicing of play skills. So, for example, if things did not go well and we didn't have a great sharing day, um, you might hear your child after the, the play date kind of um, grabbing toys or, or saying, no, that's mine. And you, you might think, well, what's going on there? But maybe they're kind of thinking about what went on in that, in that play date and maybe practicing some skills with their doll or the dog who's not paying attention or whatever. And so this kind of three is where you really start to see the beginning of that, quote, imaginary friends. Now, these friends are very vivid. Um, they can see them. So the dog, the family dog, might magically turn into Rover the dinosaur. So when, you know, they're running all over the house and the dog is happily following them, the child may really believe that that, you know, the dog has turned into a dinosaur, you know, that kind of thing. And and honestly, at around four to five, um, we often see an uptick of nightmares. And um, that is because these imaginary lives they've created are so vivid and feel so real that sometimes, especially during dream states, um, they have a hard time telling reality from fiction. Um, and so I always use, with my patients, I always use characters like Elmo. Elmo is probably the most friendly kind of not scary monster there is. But in the middle of the night when you're alone in your room and it's dark and you can't kind of tell, is Elmo really in my room or not in my room? That is when maybe um, you will have a nightmare or get up and, and you kind of are, are grappling with, with, with what's kind of real. So um, there's not sort of a, a like an age. There's not like, oh, if you have imaginary friends when past 10 years old, then, then something's wrong. Generally, as social skills kind of um, mature and um, children gain social skills and have a lot more interaction or experience with, um, you know, what I'm going to call real groups, kind of maybe playdates or a classroom environment for preschool or kindergarten, you start to kind of see these, these um, imaginary friendships sort of uh, whittle away. I often think about um, the Disney movie that, that had to do with feelings and um, inside out. And there was a character that was that child's imagination and sort of just kind of floated away. So that's, that's sort of what happens over time. So there are benefits 
right? There, there are things Absolutely. that really help this child to deal with whatever is going on. What can imaginary friends tell us about our kids? And tell us what can parents learn from a child's imaginary friend? Tell us some of those benefits and what we as parents can really take away from it. Sure. So I think that it's a wonderful, so imaginary friendships um, are honestly, they're kind of a safe haven to try out all kinds of different things, whether it's social skills, whether it's group dynamics or communication strategies. Um, and I think that the parents, you know, can gain a lot by just listening and, and not maybe uh, getting involved, but sort of from afar, kind of observe. And what are some, some themes you're seeing? Um, if you see that, 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 that your child is sort of working out a conflict, um, if you see that your child is kind of trying out sharing or trying out, well, I really want to do it this way and, and um, kind of see and listen to how they're bargaining with their imaginary friend or working out a, a social scenario. Um, I think it tells us a lot about how our, our children see the world. What are their strengths? Are they assertive? Do they know what they want? Um, do they know what color, you know, um, they are going to color with their imaginary friend. Um, is that good? Um, are they so assertive that sometimes they're constantly telling their imaginary friend what to do? And um, are they never giving leeway into what maybe that imaginary friend wants to do? Is there a give and take? And, and, but just by observing, I think parents can maybe utilize what they're seeing into uh, learning points at a different time. Um, maybe, really praising the kinds of um, characteristics they're seeing that are, that are positive, and then maybe practicing in their own way, creating maybe another pretend scenario, for example, you know, in a restaurant, uh, playing restaurant with your child, and then mimicking maybe some of those things that can help your child learn some, some of the social skills that maybe don't come um, quite, so, quite so easy. I think this can also catapult into the world of um, board games, things like shoots and ladders, or, or if you see that, again, um, maybe the child is very dominant about everything, um, learning how to lose gracefully. What does it mean to be a good friend? What does it mean to have empathy and to see um, the world from somebody else's perspective? So I think that those are really the, the, the biggest, biggest advantages um, as parents for us to sort of observe from afar. Certainly, some t in some cases, if the child has um, undergone some trauma, you know, in, in a situation, if you start seeing some things that are concerning when they're playing, uh, for example, always screaming or yelling a lot of violence towards um, their friends, uh, their imaginary friends, or other behaviors that, that kind of raise a little bit of a, a red flag or a caution flag, those would definitely be things that you would want to bring up with your, your primary care provider and your pediatrician to say, hey, I was kind of seeing this and I see it not once, not twice, but I'm now seeing a pattern. You know, what, what should I do next kind of thing? So, and other times it's just a great way for them to just explore who they are. We don't need to be keyed in. I think that imaginative free play is so important for a child's development that sometimes it's just um, a great 30 minutes for you to be able to cook dinner without without the child kind of in the kitchen constantly. So, so many different advantages. 
What a great point you just made for sure. And especially if they don't have a lot of siblings running around, so gives them something to do. So wrap it up for us. Dr. Munchie, with your best advice for parents that are concerned or think that there might be some kind of a psychological issue with their child, please just reassure them and let us know when you feel it's important. We call the doctor. Give us your best advice here. Sure. So honestly, nine out of 10 or most, most, most commonly, it is a normal, normal rite of passage. Um, Let the kids work it out and let them enjoy that time with their imaginary friends. I think that um, there are some little cautions. If you, again, we had talked about trauma a little bit. If you are seeing a repetitive pattern of imaginary play that makes you feel uncomfortable, uh, whatever that is, it could be a level of intimacy that your, you know, your three-year-old has never witnessed to your knowledge. It could be violence. It could be bad words, things like that. If it kind of ruffles your feathers a little bit, pay a little bit more attention and make sure you bring it up with your primary care provider or your pediatrician. I think um, it, it, is, it is important to know that um, imaginary friends kind of disappear. So I, I shared my daughter, kind of never brought her to a restaurant. I, I kind of should have been feeling reassured by that. I felt a little bit like, wow, she's, you know, um, abandoning her friends. Uh, They should go away from time to time. They're not always interacting with your child. I think if you, if you see that your child is always interacting with their friend, um, I think that might be something you want to bring up with your pediatrician. Uh, I think it's important to see your child in their overall development. If um, you have other developmental concerns, especially with um, maybe some speech-related issues, maybe you have under, uh, have a hard time understanding your child does speak sentences, but the sentences don't make sense. They don't make sense to the environment that you're in. Uh, you ask, what do you want for breakfast? And the child says the red Legos are in a row. Um, and that happens more than once, you know, a kind of a pattern. When you have other developmental concerns and you see kind of a lot of imaginary friendships, I think it's important to bring it up with your pediatrician. And then finally, I think if there's a strong family um, history of mental illness or you're also noticing big changes in your child in other ways, for example, an older child that stops combing their hair or, you know, doesn't take showers regularly or just big, big changes in behavior. I think those would be the reasons that you would bring it up with your pediatrician, but otherwise um, let them enjoy these magical relationships. What a great episode this was. Just really informative, and it took me back to when my kids were little, and I just loved those times. And thank you for reassuring parents that this is really normal and actually quite beneficial and that as parents we can learn a lot from our kids, from their imaginary friends and parents. Please share this show on your social channels with your friends and family. We are learning from the experts at the American Academy of Pediatrics together, the gold standard. Our pediatricians, we love them. So thank you so much for listening. You can always listen on Spotify and iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcast, anywhere podcasts are played, but we want you to listen at RadioMD.com. So for the American Academy of Pediatrics and RadioMD, I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening and stay well.